Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to search the Scriptures with us as we continue to investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. There are three important verses of Scripture I'd like to bring to your attention before we continue our study of Jesus' principal theme, the good news or gospel concerning the kingdom of God. Let me call your attention to the fact that we're living in a society which often takes an anti-intellectual view when it comes to matters of faith. We sometimes hear it said that we should not think too hard about our beliefs. Just relax and let the Spirit work on our emotions and feelings. Now, this approach to the Bible can court disaster. I recently heard a prominent person in the city of Atlanta criticize churches because they seemed often to ask us to check our thinking process at the door before we entered the church. There's a lot of force in that criticism. Since Satan is the great deceiver of the world, we must be intellectually and mentally alert at all times as we learn the Christian faith. Do you remember that Jesus said we're to love the God of Israel? who was Jesus' own God, incidentally, with all our hearts, souls, and understanding. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. The Greek word there, viania, understanding, has to do with reasoning, the rational process, the intellect. The same word reappears in a most important statement by the Apostle John. He says this in 1 John 5, verse 20. Jesus came to give us an understanding. There's that same word, viania, the rational process, Jesus came to give us an understanding or the power to reason and think. Jesus came to give us an understanding, John says, so that we might know God. So having a relationship with God, according to that text in 1 John 5, verse 20, depends on a right understanding, and that right understanding was given us by Jesus. He was the one who conveyed the vital information that enables us to have a proper relationship with God. Jesus came to give us an understanding that we might know God. 1 John 5, verse 20. Didn't Jesus also say that God is looking for people to worship him in spirit and in truth? John 4, 24. So not any kind of worship is valid. It must be based on the true spirit and on the truth. That, you know, is really the way John expressed the whole idea of the Holy Spirit. He speaks of the Holy Spirit as the spirit of of the truth, the spirit of truth. That's to say, the mind that proceeds from God, a kind of holy intelligence, the very opposite of lies and deception, the spirit of the truth. That's what we need to develop in our own minds. Now, the spirit in Scripture has to do with the mind. The Holy Spirit in Scripture is God's operational presence, and it includes the idea of holy intelligence as well as holy character. That's why there are so many exhortations in the Bible about loving the revelation that God has granted to us in the Holy Scriptures. We should think of the Bible as God's love letter to us. We should want to pour over it as we do over correspondence from loved ones. Didn't David declare, Oh, how I love your revelation, your instructions. It's my meditation all day long. Psalm 119, verse 97. And in verse 103 of that psalm, he went on to say this, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. Can you say that about your experience of the Bible? Or are you finding it a tedious and boring process to read the Scriptures? If you are, the chances are that you need help 
in understanding the basis of the message. The lonely prophet Jeremiah exclaimed, Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became for me a joy and delight of my heart. It would be almost impossible to exaggerate the Bible's insistence on wisdom and understanding, on the need for us to seek and obtain divine intelligence. Listen to this remarkable statement from the Psalms. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. That was from Psalm 49, verse 20. What an encouragement then for all of us to seek the knowledge and understanding that comes from God. Do you remember the excellent example of the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, verse 11? Luke recorded that they searched the Scriptures daily to see if what they were hearing was true. And the result was that they became true believers. Our series of programs, as you know, is dedicated to Jesus' principal theme, the gospel of the kingdom. I remind you, as John said, that Jesus came to give us an understanding so that we might know God. 1 John 5, verse 20. But what else did Jesus come for? Well, to die for the sins of the world, certainly. But what else? Let Jesus answer that important question for himself. In Luke 4, verse 43, Jesus made this extraordinarily interesting declaration. He said this, I must preach the gospel of the kingdom of God to the other cities also. That's the reason for which I was commissioned or sent. I sometimes wonder if there isn't a conspiracy to hide from the public some of the most obvious, basic, and illuminating teachings of the Bible, and they have often to do with the great sayings of Jesus about the gospel of the kingdom. If you've been persuaded that Jesus' teachings, what Jesus taught, are somehow not important for Christians, that they were really only for the Jews, I invite you to have another look. It could be that you've been seriously misled. People sometimes seem to forget that Jesus preached the gospel long before Paul did. Jesus, in fact, said that his message about the kingdom was the basis for leading people to immortality in the kingdom. In Luke 8, verse 12, Jesus made one of the most enlightening statements of his whole career and mission. He said that when anyone hears the message about the kingdom, Matthew 13:19, compared to Luke 8, 12, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom, the devil is there to snatch away that message about the kingdom which is sown in his heart, so that he may not believe it, the message of the kingdom, and be saved. Incredibly interesting words, aren't they? We suggest that they belong at the forefront of our thinking. They tell us where the devil is busy, mainly trying to suppress the gospel message about the kingdom as Jesus preached it and brought it to the people and still brings it to the public. But how often today do you hear the phrase gospel about the kingdom? Its absence from our Christian vocabulary puzzles me. In fact, it alarms me. When we do not use the same language as Jesus, the chances are we're not thinking like Jesus at all. And that means we're not following him. Nothing could be more important than sticking to the language of the Bible. As one prominent commentator said, the language of the church had better be the language of the New Testament. To proclaim the gospel with new terminology is hazardous. Much of the message might be lost forever. We say amen to that with all our hearts. And another spokesman for the church said this, Most of the distortions and dissensions that have vexed the church have arisen when sections of the church have insisted on using words which are not found in the Bible. I wonder 
if you fully realize that the Bible documents come to us from a thoroughly Jewish environment. These books were written in first century Palestine by Jews who were thoroughly trained in the Hebrew Bible, what we perhaps mistakenly call the Old Testament. There's one exception, Luke was probably a Gentile. In order to understand the New Testament properly, we have to first immerse ourselves sympathetically in the Jewish culture in which Jesus was trained. Otherwise, we're liable simply to read our own traditional ideas back into the Bible. The Bible, you know, can be something like an optical illusion. An optical illusion works like this. We expect a set of figures or pictures to have a certain form. And so we read those ideas of our own into the image, and we see what is, in fact, not there. Now, there's an analogy here with our Bible reading. It's entirely possible to read the Bible with certain fixed ideas in your mind that you've learned from experience and perhaps even from church-going, but if they're not in the Bible, be careful. You may simply be reading them into the Scriptures. But if you approach the Scriptures with these presuppositions, you're going to find those presuppositions in the text. You'll find what you want to find. But you'll be reading them into the text and not out of the text. So the knack with Bible study is to immerse yourself first in the Jewish-Hebrew culture in which those early books were written, to clear your mind of traditional ideas and then try to react sympathetically and in harmony with the culture for which Jesus spoke his message. Let me give you an example which applies in my own case. You've probably detected that my accent is foreign. I'm from England, of course. As one humorous gentleman said to me the other day, people will know that you, Anthony, are not from Alabama. Well, my English culture affects the way I see things, and it affects also, of course, the way I speak. If I were to say to you, I'm mad about my flat, you'd probably understand me to be saying that I'm angry about my flat tire. But now, if I use exactly the same words in my English culture, if I go back to England and say that I'm mad about my flat, I mean I'm excited about my new apartment. A totally different meaning. Now, the lesson to be learned from this is quite simple, that when we read words in a given text, we must first of all ensure that we're reading them in the right context. We must, in the case of the Bible, immerse ourselves sympathetically in the Jewish culture in which the Bible was written. And the way to do that is to become thoroughly acquainted with the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. We must, first of all, gain an understanding of what the prophets of Israel were saying. We must have an understanding of what was said in Genesis to Abraham, and Isaac and Jacob of what was said in Second Samuel to David about the future of his throne. Because the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 12, 13, 15, and 17, those chapters, and the Davidic covenant in Second Samuel 7 are fundamental building blocks for the message of the kingdom that Jesus brought when he entered Galilee in the first century there and spoke of the gospel about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God idea, you see, is the root idea in everything that Jesus spoke about. It's his master word, the master word of his theology. The kingdom of God is the word in which the Christian faith is concentrated. The genius of our faith is focused in that phrase, kingdom of God, and it's a very Jewish term. It's not a nebulous idea at all in the minds of those first century Jews, but it becomes an extremely vague term in the mind of many churchgoers today. This is a serious matter. If we have doubts about the fundamental ideas and the fundamental vocabulary of Jesus, we're liable to miss a great deal of what he says. I think that will help you to understand our approach in these series of programs about the kingdom of God. It's a very simple one. 
We're simply saying that the basic vocabulary of Jesus is based on a Hebrew background. You must understand the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, before we attempt to understand the New. As a professor of mine in theological college said, if you misunderstand the Old Testament, you will misunderstand the New. That's a fine principle to keep in mind as you attempt to understand the teachings of Jesus and the meaning of the gospel of the kingdom which he makes the basis of salvation. I remind you again of Matthew 13, verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God, then the devil comes and snatches away the message which has been sown in his heart so that he may not believe and be saved. Matthew 13:19 and Luke 8, verse 12. That makes an intelligent reception of Jesus' gospel message of the kingdom a basis for initiating the process of salvation, which begins when we commit ourselves to Jesus and to his gospel message of the kingdom and ends with the immortalization of the believer when Christ returns to establish his kingdom on the earth. We invite you to email us or visit our website. Telephone us at the telephone number to be given at the end of this program for a free book on the kingdom. We'd be happy to send it to you for your personal study. Join us again for our continued discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.